Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC London, Fabricio Vaikavalo or Doom versus Alexander Volkov. And man, back to the fight pass early card. Yeah, UFC London, man, it's a pretty underrated card. Alexander Volkov has the opportunity to come in here and do what not too many people have done, which is take out Verdum. Verdum's one of the greatest heavyweights of all time, one of the most well-rounded fighters in the uh, heavyweight division's history. And, I mean, from what Volkov uh, was going through a few years ago to where he's at now, I mean, it's a complete night and day change. And uh, if he can get this upset, that'd be huge. Man, it would be absolutely massive. I mean, especially considering the path that he's taken from his Bellator days. He's come a long way, but if we really want to find out where he's at, you put him in there with a guy like Fabrizio Werdum, and we're going to find out firsthand. There's not going to be any questions after this fight, Shaq, so I can't wait to find out. And before we break down this whole car start to finish, just want to give a quick shout-out to my Georgia State Panthers for getting in that March Madness with the huge upset. And, you know, it's funny, Shaq, because when the UGA dogs, when the Bulldogs lost, in that tournament recently, you know, everyone's giving us shit, oh, Georgia this, Georgia that. I didn't go to UGA in Athens, Shaq. I went to Georgia State in Atlanta, so you know what I'm saying? The Panthers represented me all day, bud. <laughs> and uh, let's see if they can represent you against the number two seed. You know, it's funny because uh, they're the number 15 seed, just like my boy Eric Shelton was on Tough when he went in there and upset that Russian Yobi Sherbatov. And uh, we won't talk about Eric Shelton's UFC stint, but let's just talk about that time when he was number 15. He upset the number two seed. Yeah, man. Um, and Georgia State had an upset not too long ago against Baylor, like two three four years ago so they've done it before yes they have and another announcement we got to make is we will be sponsoring bellator co-main event fighter emmanuel el matador sanchez for his co-main event fight versus sam cecilia on the fedor emilianenko versus frank mir card you know manny's always been a guy we bet on every single fight because as you know Shaq, whenever manny sanchez fights it's max bet season the guy's a consummate winner and now it's awesome to be part of team matador yeah, it's a big fight against Sam Cecilia, a former UFC vet, and uh, if he can get this win, you know, he's right there for a title shot. He's been knocking on that door for a long time, and now it's time for him to go out here and smash Cecilia and actually solidify it. Yeah, 100%, and you know, it's one thing, you know, to take the monies from the bookies every every year, you know, basically every month, but sometimes you got to give back, and that's exactly what we're doing here. It's an honor to be sponsoring a guy like Emmanuel El Matador Sanchez, so make sure you check him out April 28th, and also, up until his fight, get 15% off any Best Fight Picks package. Go to bestfightpicks.com and use the promo code MATADOR to save 15% off any Best Fight Picks package. Bestfightpicks.com, maxbestseason.com, Shaq. Let's do this whole card start to finish, my man, because first up in the lightweight division, we got Nazrat Hakparas. He's minus 145, and the comeback on Nad Naramani is plus 125. Now, it opened minus 120 apiece, and now some action has come in on, you know, the one-fight UFC vet, Nazrat Hakparas, but it's interesting I call him a vet because the real vet here is Nad Naramani. I mean, this kid's been around the block. He finally gets that UFC debut. Who you got in this one? Um, Nasrat, you know, I liked what I saw from him against Marcin Held. Uh, I actually bet on him in that fight, plus 350. You know, he was just a little bit too experienced, never been in there against someone on that level. And I thought he fought well. You know, I actually favored him against uh, Alex Reyes. I thought he was going to catch Reyes with a straight left at some point. But um, this fight's a lot different because Nad's more experienced. He's definitely been around the block. He's already faced defeat a couple times. And uh, he comes from that Cage Warriors promotion. We know Cage Warriors puts those guys through an extensive career before they get to the UFC, and he's had that extensive career. Uh, trains at Team Alpha Male, so he's around, you know, Emmett Elkins, Philly, you know, the right type of people. And um, 
it's going to be a tough fight. You know, it could be another case where Nashrod's maybe a little bit too inexperienced. But I do think Nashrod is going to be a good prospect moving forward. But I think uh, Nad Armani's a featherweight. I think he's moving up, and I think he's going to be a little too small here, and I think he's going to fill the shots. Now, if he can put on an absolute MMA clinic against Nashrod, that's one thing. But let's not forget, uh, on the local scene, Nashrod had some wrestling as well. So I think uh, he'll be able to definitely hold his own on the feet. On the mat, it's a 50-50 fight, kind of leaning toward Nad's way. But I think uh, Nashrod will do enough to get the job done just by landing the more cleaner, effective shots on the feet. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because at first I was under the impression that oh, Nad Naramani, you know, he's taking this fight on a week short notice. Who knows what kind of shape he's in. But uh, we did our research, and the kid's been at Alpha Male for a very long time. He's in great shape. So he was ready to get that UFC call. And the guy's a consummate professional. I mean, you recall his fight against the very hyped Patty Pimblett, and he went out there, absolutely demolished him in a five-round affair. So, you know, this kid, Nad Naramani, can go the five-round distance, no problem. He's faced defeat, like you mentioned. The issue here is that, listen, man, there's weight classes for a reason, you know? and short notice up a weight class and we we, we got to see this guy back at 145 with a full camp and with Nazrat, i know he's green but he's the kind of green where it's a good green <laughs> it's like that purple green no but it's that good green where i can see him making big improvements every single fight you know what i'm saying i can see him coming back like a completely different guy because the kid's only 23 years old and we're on the street is he went to king's mma when he was 18 years old he's in there sparring with guys like benny guys like rafael dos años taking jujitsu lessons with guys like Fabricio Vaikavala were doomed. So, you know, Nazrat's been around the block himself, and he had a very impressive UFC debut. I know, you know, losing to Marcin Hell doesn't look good, but, you know, you got to you gotta for put his, yourself... For his experience level, it ain't bad. You got to put yourself in the kid's shoes, man. I mean, taking that fight on short notice against a guy who he probably grew up watching, and, and he dropped that guy multiple times throughout the fight. It was just a matter of, you know... Getting laid on at the end of certain at the end of rounds and the ref uh, with the little his uh, string on his shorts. Oh uh, yeah, when he rocked him. You know, that was he got kind of got backdoored. But I think uh, Nashrat's got a good future moving ahead. And you know, let's just put it this way: if him and Marcina uh, rematched, you, you know who I got. You know who'd be taking a canvas now there. <laughs> but uh, look, Nad narimani has got a very bright future. I'm glad to see him in the UFC. I'm gonna go with uh, Nazrat Hakparas by decision on this one. But it should be a very intriguing and entertaining battle. Now next up in the heavyweight division. We got Dmitry Sosnovisky, he's minus 275, and the comeback on Mark Godbeer is plus 235. Now, uh, Shaq, uh, Godbeer's back, uh, and it's interesting because Sosnovisky hasn't fought since about, what, 2014, 2015. He's coming off a big layoff, but as you know, layoffs haven't really mattered these days. Yeah, you know, Mark Godbeer, my thoughts on him, and, you know, he's he's one of these guys where I don't think he's really good in any specific area. I just think he's good at getting after it. You know, he's a tough he's a tough Englishman, you know. He's he's coming there to he'll block punches with his face and if he can beat you at that game, then you know he'll win. But let's be honest here, the overall picture is I don't think Godbear's skills are up to par to compete not not let me not say compete, but to succeed at this high of a level. I think uh you know, Dimitri's got a way better tie-up game, a top game, takedowns. And, I mean, we look at Mark Godbeer's uh, history in the wrestling department. Got taken down by Walt Harris. Not just taken down, mounted. You know who you don't want to let mount you? Dmitry Sosanovsky uh, or whatever his name is. This guy is bought up under Alexei Olenek. You know my boy Alexei, the boa constrictor. This is his number one protege. Been training under this guy since he was a kid. And when I talk about ground and pound masters, Dan, Dmitry is the definition of that. The second Dmitry gets on top of you, He's looking to smash your head in the mat. And, you know, Godbear, you know, he does have an advantage in experience. He does have an advantage in the fact that Dimitri 
hasn't fought in three years. And, you know, with these Europeans, you know, that is a little, not red flag, but it's a little skeptical because what's, what's been going on those three years? Have you been trying to get some Eldonium at your system or have you <laughs> been, what's going on? So, you know, I have my questions about him as well, but I definitely got Dimitri in this fight as far as the skills goes. I just think uh, the takedown will be there. And I think uh, a guy like Dimitri, when he gets on top, is just going to be too much for God Bear. I just don't think God Bear has the uh, stand-up skills to capitalize. I see God Bear uh, blocking punches with his face and you know he beat daniel spitz but let's be honest here spitz took that fight on like less than a week notice and took him down that six seven long body took him down what do you think the uh the sambo guy <laughs> from uh the ukraine you know is gonna do so i think uh dimitri's gonna get consistent takedowns here i honestly think this fight's gonna be over in one uh if the fight goes three rounds you know it definitely gets a little sketchy considering that you know his cardio hasn't been tested in the last three years so, uh, you know, that is kind of a red flag, but I'm going to go with Dimitri by ground and pound stoppage. Yeah, look, we don't know what Dimitri has been up to the last couple of years, but this ain't a case like Kazangana where it's multiple he's injuries. 20, he's 28 years old. Surgeries, all these things. They come back looking rusty, and this isn't a case where a layoff should matter because the kid's only 28 years old, and at heavyweight, it's interesting because the heavyweights don't get into their prime until about their 40s, but this kid's 28, and with his style, we know Godbeer's weakness. We know Godbeer can't stuff a takedown to save his life. I'll tell you what, though, when you take Godbeer down against certain guys, He's attacking leg locks, but when you're on the level of a guy like Dimitri Sosnoviski, you know, he should be able to take him down past that guard, full mount, and pound him out. And, you know, obviously the thing you'd be worried about is that he does kind of charge head first on the feet, but Godbeer charges head first too. Godbeer has slightly better stand-up, but the thing is when Godbeer's got you hurt, it's not like he's got that killer instinct to go in there and finish the fight you know he kind of is surprised when he hurts you saw that fight uh he had in the ufc when he won against daniel spitz the only reason he won is because daniel spitz gassed out completely four minutes into the fight and spitz took the fight on about a week short notice coming off the couch you could tell and between you and me like you said they rematch we both know uh who's gonna win that fight so i'm gonna go with dimitri sosnoviski via ground and pound tko uh probably in the first round also now next up in the lightweight division we got Stevie Braveheart Ray. He's minus 170, and the comeback on Cajun Johnson is plus 150. Now, uh, shout out to Cajun Johnson, man. He went out there and knocked out a top 20 guy in his last fight. Now he's got Stevie Ray. Who you got? You know, you know, but going into the Adriano Martins fight, I definitely wasn't high on Cajun at all. But after, man, that was an effective strategy. Guys, what do we preach on the show week in and week out? Weasels win long term, and Cajun put on a straight weasel performance against Adriano. He spooked him out. You know, he didn't engage, and Adriano got frustrated. And, you know, he made a mistake doing uh, coming in, and he got caught. Um, you know, I definitely think Stevie Ray's lacking in the speed department, but I definitely think he's... No, probably a little tougher um, just because, you know, we have seen Cajun's history in the past. But um, my thing with Stevie is, man, he's really slow inside the pocket when he's throwing punches. His takedown defense isn't the best. You know, I actually had higher thoughts of him, you know, moving forward. I, I You know, I do have my, my doubts on if he's going to last in the lightweight division. Um, and Cajun's, I think he's got a big speed advantage, even at his age. I think he's like, what, 35, 36. He's been knocked out. A million times. Four, f five or six Two times. broken jaws. Two broken jaws. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, both of these guys are a little hard to trust, but I trust Cajun more, actually, and I think Cajun's going to get the job done at the underdog price. And, uh, you know, like I said, I think Stevie Ray's best days are behind him. Like, like I said, I think he's a tough guy, but Cajun's got overall skills. It's like, you know, if Stevie can put pressure on him and, you know, give him nowhere to run and touch his chin, then, you know, that's one thing. But I don't think Stevie has the power in his hands to do that, and I don't think he's got the speed, uh, the punching speed to do that. I think Cajun's going to 
circle all, all across the octagon, frustrate him, get Stevie to do something stupid, and I think he's going to run into something. Now, I don't think he's going to finish him, but, you know, Cajun will get right back to the running away, weaseling out a decision, and everyone that bet Stevie might be very upset because Cajun fought like a pussy, but like I said, weasels win long term, and uh, shout out to Cajun for that uh, weasel performance against Adriana. Yeah, look, if, if Cajun can go out here and recreate that history and do that again, then holy shit, man, because that would be super impressive. And, uh, you know, I think the deal with Stevie Ray is kind of the deal with a lot of these Cage Warriors guys. They had way too much experience in Cage Warriors. They went through the ringer. They had those five-round wars. They had those trilogies. And by the time they get to the UFC, they're damaged goods, man. And they just don't perform on the same level that they used to. And it's, you know, it's kind of almost sad. Hot chocolate. It's sad saying that about a kid that's 27 years old because Stevie Ray was born in 1990. You know what I'm saying, Shaq? But... You know, speed is speed, and we saw that fight against Joe Lozon. I was in, I was there in person. I had a bet on Stevie Ray, thinking this was going to be easy money. And you know, props to him for getting the job done. Thank you for the money. But man, I mean, he was literally operating on the same frequency as Joe Lozon. That was very alarming. Now with Cajun, you know, I've never been high on him either. And one could say his last fight was a fluke. But the thing is, it's not like he just randomly caught him. Up until that point, <laughs> he was developing a story. He was making you Cajun... You could just see it. You could see it unfolding in front of your eyes. He was making Adriano fall into his trap. And he made him play his game the whole time. As uh, my boy uh, Alex Hernandez that just beat Benny said, you know, uh, we, we he fought to my cadence. You know what I'm saying? That's what he made him do, man. So, uh this is a tough fight for me to call because I also see a situation where you know how in that Cajun Adriana fight up until the knockout, it, it was somewhat close. It might've been one-to-one -one heading into that third round. Right. And we know what these UK judges, if, if this goes all three, man, they're probably going to give it to, to Stevie Braveheart Ray. I mean, he's from Scotland, man. That's right next door. So, you know, it's just about Stevie making it somewhat close and Stevie has a knack for making it close. Now, I was completely wrong about Stevie Ray. He's not going to be some top 15, top 20 guy like I thought, you know, because, I mean, let's be honest here. When you give a 26, 27-year-old guy matchups against Ross Pearson, matchups against Joe Lozon, matchups against all these guys, you expect him to go out there and not just win, Shaq, but win emphatically, and uh, he's barely scraping by. There were judges that score those fights for Lozon and Pearson, just to, you know what I'm saying? So... Yeah, it's going to be tough. I'm going to go with Stevie Ray by split decision, and it could get hairy at times. And if you're betting Stevie Ray, please uh, exercise caution because uh, it's going to be a sweat. Now, next up in the light heavyweight division, we got Magomed Ankalaev. He's minus 620, and the comeback on Paul Craig is minus 460. Now, uh, Shaq, you know, we were thinking about max betting Magomed Ankalaev, and... Uh, Unfortunately, when the line dropped here in the States, it opened at minus 410, but I know our VIP clients in Europe and Australia were super happy with the advance notice of Anka Live. We let them know two weeks out to absolutely hammer the Anka Live line before it became unplayable. They were able to hit Anka Live big at minus 188, at minus 200. Now we see the line upwards of minus 600, and we need to be careful these days, Shaq. Our European and Australian VIP members are pounding these lines before our American members. Come on, guys. Save a little piece of the Euro Fight Night pie for us. Save a little bit of that easy money for your American friends. And look, we know the new odds maker is a little slow with the European Fight Nights. The good news is for the next card, UFC 223, the full card odds are already released. So if we decide we want to ruin another line, which you damn well know we will, how about we let you know right before we do it? 
Let us tell you to max bet Ketlin Vieira over Kat Zingano at minus 120 before the line hits minus 200. Let us tell you to wait for Sean O'Malley to hit dog money when he opened as a minus 260 favorite and closed at minus 140, Shaq. Let us tell you not to bet Frankie Edgar over Brian Ortega. Let us tell you to absolutely fucking pound Max Holloway as an underdog to Jose Aldo in Brazil. Sound good? Hit us up, bestfightpicks.com, maxbetseason.com. Send us a message, bestfightpicks at gmail.com. Let's get this fucking money. Now, Shaq, Magomed Ankalai versus Paul Craig, who you got? And uh, this is uh, exactly what I was talking about last uh, podcast about my, you know, VIP package. The best of both worlds. You get access to two of the sharpest minds in the game. You get both of our picks. And like I said, that pre-advance notice. My clients out in Finland and Australia and, uh, and, uh, in the UK, they knew over two weeks in advance, hey, when Ankoliyev comes out, you better hammer this. This is uh, easy money, and congratulations to all those guys. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, wish them well, and I think they will get the win. I think Paul Craig does not belong in the UFC. Look, I'm sure he's a tough guy. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but when you keep making the consistent same mistakes, keep throwing the lead low kick every single combo to start off, you, we all know how to beat a lead low kick, Then You throw the straight straight punch right down the middle. and uh, Especially at the speed at which Paul Craig's throwing that low kick, I just see too many openings. I think as long as they stand, at some point uh, uh, the opening will present itself. He just makes too many mistakes, chin wide up in the air. His wrestling sucks. I mean, he's a pull guard type of guy. He's looking to you know go for low percentage moves like uh, going for arm bars and things like that. And I think... Ankalaev has the aspect and uh, has the edge in every aspect of the game, and I think he's a good prospect moving forward. And you know, I actually think he's better than a couple guys Paul Craig's been in there with, especially like Enrique, uh, Enrique De Silva and um, Khalil Roundtree. And Khalil Roundtree, and you know, both those guys are complete frauds. And you know, just just put it this way: if uh, Magomed Ankalaev fought Khalil Roundtree, it'd be a quick quit season, just like we uh, told you Khalil would do uh, his last fight. But uh, like we said, VIP. You get that pre-advance notice. There's nothing better than two weeks out in advance knowing your plans of what you're going to do uh, going into the card. And like I said, shout out to all my European friends. And uh, go ahead and uh, cash that max bet on Anchor Live. Yeah, congrats to you guys because this hopefully is one of the only times where you guys ruin a line that we don't get to play. And, and by the way... The U.S. books should be completely ashamed of themselves for the performance they had this week. Now, granted, I know they probably don't give a fuck about these cards anymore since uh, our good friend Nick Kalikas is gone. So uh, maybe that's the way things are going to start trending, but it was completely disgusting. We need Nick Kalikas back. We need lines on time, uh, and it was just disgusting what they did. Yeah, and I see uh, people sharing the hashtag I created. Hashtag bring back Kalikas and use that because, you know, shout out to my boy Nick Kalikas. You know, not only did he drop the odds in a reasonable time, but he would also drop the totals at the same time as the odds, Shaq. So, you know, we miss our boy Kalikas, and some people didn't know how good they had it until he was gone, but I always had the utmost respect for my boy Nick Kalikas. Now, as far as this matchup's concerned with Magomed and uh, Paul Craig, look, Paul Craig is a very undeveloped fighter. I mean, the guy's going in there, he's pulling guard, he's going for head and arm throws. It's like, dude, this ain't this ain't the chick division, you know what I'm saying? You can't be... Gosh. These things don't work in the game. Head and arm throws for the male. Look, it would be one thing if he was a 115-pound chick. But come on. These things don't work. It's going to get exposed. We're talking about Magomed Ankalaev, the prized possession of the Goretz fight team in Russia. This is a, a 
Katarov guy, by the way. This guy was, this is ain't, this ain't just a fight for them. This is an ordeal for them. And uh, I just think he's going to smash this guy. Look, Paul Craig's a tough guy. His, his debut was good. But like I said, guys, that shit don't work at this level. If you think you're going to come out here and pull guard or judo throw a Russian, <laughs> have at it, my friend. You know, go it, go for it's, it. It's one thing if it was like fucking, and he wouldn't even do it to Muslim Salikov either, even though, you know, he's a welterweight. But I'm giving you that example, you know what I'm saying, where even an old older Russian towards Italian, this is a young, fresh Russian that ain't taking uh, any damage. And, and this is a, a Sambo <laughs> Russian. This exactly. is a guy that's going to get on this top is, of Paul Craig, pound him unconscious. Where, Where's Paul Craig going to go to win this fight? He can't tie up with the... the this is Ramazan Amin's main training partner. We're, we're masters in the tie-up. He can't fuck with us on the ground, and I don't think he can fuck I'll with tell you where he's going to go. He's going to go right back to the regional <laughs> scene after this fight, Shaq. Paul Craig, it's been fun. You're a tough guy, but look, facts are facts. I don't think uh, he has the skills to compete in the octagon. You know, barring some fluke submission, which you and I both know ain't going to happen, or if, you know, Ank Alive twists his knee on the walkout, you know, or, or pulls a Patrick Cote versus Anderson Silva... This should be smooth sailing, and as soon as Ankalaev gets on top, don't get me wrong, he's going to piece him up on the feet too, but as soon as Ankalaev gets on top, the fight should be over shortly after. So, uh, yeah, Magomed Ankalaev is about to take care of Biz here. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got Hakeem Duwadu. He's minus 360, and the comeback on Danny Henry is plus 300. Now, shout out to Danny Henry on that fight of the night performance in his UFC debut. You know, he had to overcome some adversity. He went in there, and uh, he finished the fight, got that 50K paycheck. But now he's coming in there. He's welcoming Hakeem Duwadu to the UFC. Now, we've known about Hakeem Duwadu. I mean, he's been a top prospect since the kid was 2 or 3 and up. Now he's in the UFC, he's taking a year off, and with a kid that age, I'd imagine he's been getting way better since that year off, and uh, who you got in this one? You know, uh, I've been a, a fan of Hakeem Duwadu down there in the World Series of Fighting for a long time, definitely got good potential, and uh, Danny Henry, great fight in his debut against uh, Tamor's little bro. Uh, one thing to mention is, Hakeem Duwadu ain't a 5-5 lightweight, firstly, and a five fight lightweight that have never had it never been out the first round in his career, six first round finishes. Between you and me, that five five lightweight is really a five five bantamweight. bantamweight. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it was a good fight, but make no mistake about it, uh Tamor needs to drop two weight classes and has no business being at one fifty five. Uh I think Hakeem Duwadu is super skilled offensively. I think he's a physical specimen. But I think, you know, he does have the tendency to play around a lot. You know, he likes to play with his left hand down and uh he tends to, you know, take overhand rights behind the ear. Uh gen he he's gotten away with it so far in every one of his fights. And you know, even when he hits the mat sometimes he'll just straight up give his back just to get out of it. Granted he's gotten away with it in every single fight, but Long term, you know, he will uh, pay the price for that. Now, will Henry capitalize? Uh, you know, Henry's like that workman fighter. You know, you watch him on tape and you think, oh, this guy fucking sucks. But then, you know, when you get in there with him and he starts leaning on you and starts making you work, then it's a completely different story. So I feel like he's one of those type of guys, you know, like what we like to call the, the typical workman fighter. Um, but I think uh, <clears throat> Duwadu does have the takedown defense to consistently keep this up. And I think... Uh, if they stand inside and trade in the pocket, I think there will be a couple of hairy moments. I think Henry will land punches, but I do think Duwadu early on, he will definitely see, you know, a clear advantage, which is the speed and the power. And I think Henry will definitely feel the shots early. I think it will carry on into the second round. I think uh, Duwadu will win the first two rounds. And then third round, that's when it's going to start getting a little Henry. I think Harry, I think uh, Duwadu will probably slow down a little bit. And we know the, how the workman fighter 
comes on strong in the end. And I think Henry won the third round just by tying him up, getting a takedown or two possibly. But uh, I do think Hakeem Duwadu will get his hand raised. He has been training at SBG. Not that that matters or anything, but, you know, he has been uh, trying to make the necessary steps to uh, improve his game. And uh, I think he will edge out a decision here. So he's been learning how to sell books like my boy John Kavanaugh. So uh, this is an interesting matchup because Hakeem Duwadu, for that first round and a half, the kid's going to put on a clinic here. And we know this. I mean, he operates on a different frequency than Danny Henry. He's much more athletic. He's much more skilled technically. It's just about is he going to play around like he did in some of his uh, World Series of fighting fights where, you know, he got such a big lead and then he starts fighting with his hands down. Then he starts taunting. Then he starts shooting for takedowns, you know, starts doing the whole bit. But at the same time, Shaq, he won. <laughs> not only did he win, but one thing we've noticed with, with these guys on the regional scene is they do fuck around a lot on the regional scene. But then when it's time to come to the UFC, they straighten up. And they go ahead and they're like, listen, man, this is the UFC. I can't fuck around anymore. I can't jump off the cage. I can't, you know, shoot for takedowns and do all these things that I wouldn't normally do. Now I got to do what I'm good at. And that's the striking. That's exactly what Hakeem needs to do. He needs to keep this fight standing and pick apart the much slower Danny Henry. And when it gets to that late second round, when it gets to that third round, don't let this guy grind on you. Don't let this guy take your back. Don't let this guy get on top of you and pound you. So, you know, as long as Hakeem... Uh, Stays on his P's and Q's. I think he's going to get this one done, man. I think he's going to make a very impressive UFC debut. I think he's going to move some heads, uh, turn some heads. I think people are going to be like, oh, shit, who's this guy? So, yeah, I got Hakeem Duwadu for the victory. All right, guys, UFC 223, one of the biggest cards of the year in Brooklyn, New York. So many good fights. I mean, we got the rose Joanna rematch. We got Khabib and Tony Ferguson, Felder and Ayakenta. Um, some other good fights as well. And, I mean... Guys, I know you guys saw our results for UFC 222. Dan, you want to uh, go ahead and tell them the results of that again? Yes, sir. Or tell them just the results of the last uh, three events. Well, obviously, if they haven't been listening, we're 3-0 oh, the last three events. All clean sweeps, undefeated. Last event, UFC 222, I went 3-0 oh for plus 9.17 units. Shaq went 3-0 oh for plus 8.17 units. The max bets on Ketlin Vieira at minus 120, Shaq. Cash. Not minus 220. Minus 120. The max bet on Zach Otto at minus 240 cash. Not minus 440. Minus 240. And, you know, I had a nice three-unit play on Sean O'Malley at Dog Money. You had a nice three-unit play on Cody Stamen and uh, undefeated night. And uh, make no mistake about it, UFC 223, it's going to be a similar night. Another uh, historic night for best fight picks. And, uh, guys, like we said, we get the job done on a consistent basis. You remember... Uh, in the beginning of this, when you guys all doubted me and you guys thought, uh, you know, maybe it wouldn't work out. But like I say, every week, long term, I get the job done. And uh, those are the facts. Now, guys, I need you to go to the website if you're interested. If you're a guy that's still on the fence, you're still contemplating, you're still wondering uh, if I'm legit or if I'm full of shit. I'm legit, by the way. <laughs> um, you know, guys, it's time to sign up. It's not that hard. I give you the play and you win, plain and simple. So go to uh, bestfightpicks.com, use that code MATADOR for 15% off any package. And like we mentioned before, shout out to Manny Sanchez taking on Sam Cecilia, April 28th, co-main event, Bellator, Paramount Network. And uh, I think Sam Cecilia is in big fucking trouble. And uh, we're coming for that title. 100%. So we'll see you guys in that winner circle. And it's funny, you know, people can write you off after one month, but they can't write you off after three years, Shaq. They can't write you off year in, year out, consistent winning results. And uh, ask any of my clients when they cash this easy anchor live money, that's what it's about the pre advance, being prepared. And they knew over two weeks out in advance, hey, when anchor live opens minus 250 or less, 
uh, be ready to go. And they were ready to go, and they'll cash. And that's why the line is currently minus 610. <laughs> you know? Because we know these things. We know that there's a chance... You know, these easy money fights get lined close, and that's what we're talking about, guys. I mean what I say, and I say what I mean. It opened minus 188 in the <laughs> Euro and Australian books. So now I, you imagine know. if you're down there in Europe, and you know you really you don't have the time. You're working. You got a job. You got kids, and you're, man, you're, uh, you're not sure. You you know Paul Craig's a jobber, and you and you uh, you're just not sure about this Ankle Live guy because you haven't had the time. That's what I'm here for. I'm going to put in all the work for you. I'm going to tell you two weeks out, a month out in advance, hey, let's go, Ankalaev. Put fucking seven to ten units on this shit and let's go. Fucking, that's what you get with Best Fight Picks. And for our American clients that weren't able to get the Ankalaev line, oh. we, we had something for them too. My, my American clients will be always fine because at the end of the day, there are more U.S. fight nights and more uh, U.S. pay-per-views. So our, my U.S. clients, we'll suck it up. We'll suck it up this week, but uh, make no mistake about it. The bookies know we were going to hit them hard this week, and, uh, you know, they played it safe. There's a reason why our one-month clients, our one-month VIP members, when their packages ran out, 95% of them re-signed up for a full year, Shaq. Exactly, and, you know, I'm still waiting on a couple of others to sign up. I mean, when you meet a guy that actually says what he's going to do, when you sign up for a one-event package and he gives you three winning plays, you know what I'm saying? I mean, what else can you do? Yeah, you cannot force a man to fight, Shaq. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> so, welterweight division, we got Jack Marshman. He's minus 290, and the comeback on Brad Scott, or as we like to say in Brazil, Brad Scotch, is plus 245. Now, it's an interesting fight, man. You know, I saw that they opened Jack Marshman in Europe and in Australia at plus 175, Shaq. Uh, I thought the line should have been flipped. And here in the States, for a second, he was plus 100. Now he's a minus 290 favorite. And rightfully so, but let me hear your breakdown, man. Yeah, uh, Jack Marshman, the hammer, 500 fighter in the UFC so far. Brad Scott, 500 fighter in the UFC so far. But, uh, you know, sometimes uh, a lot of people can't see the difference in 500, you know, fighter matchups. And they, they say things as if uh, Brad Scott's a live dog, and I completely disagree. Um, you know, Jack Marshman's losses are only to who now? Antonio Carlos Jr. and Tiago Maheta Santos. And, you know, we can say, oh, well, what about his takedown defense and uh, this and that. Guys, Brett, hold on, Dan. How many, take, how many career takedowns in the UFC does Brad Scott have? Two. Now, the last one, one was of, in 2015. And one of those takedowns was half a takedown because uh, Dylan Andrews popped right back up. Any other time, tell me a time where you've seen, uh, tell me a time where you've seen Brad Scott shoot a takedown. Brad Scott doesn't wrestle. Brad Scott doesn't tie up. Brad Scott's a fucking kickboxer. He wants to go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. He doesn't tie up. He's a slow, trotting, plodding, ugly motherfucker. He's a big goof. You know what I'm saying? He's there to get hit. And I think, uh, you know, Marshman against someone else, you know, with his previous fight like Zaleski, okay, then if you want to fade him there, that's one thing. But I, I don't think Brad Scott's a live dog. I think Brad Scott's on his way out. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Uh, if you guys go back and listen to his fight uh, interview after the Scott asked him, fight when he won tell me if that's a mentally stable guy you know what i'm saying <laughs> that guy's all over the place mentally and uh before the hermanson fight he was already you know having retirement questions if he didn't beat scott ask him he would have retired and went on and moved to plumbing one thing you gotta you don't have to ask about jack marshman is if he wants to be in the ufc and if he if he wants to quit that's that's uh something that will never cross his mind so i just think it's a complete mental difference firstly and on the feet i just think uh brad scott's too slow i think uh his left hand's down i think uh He's got a weakness for behind-the-ear uh, forehead shots, um, behind-the-ear shots, you know, temple shots. And I think uh, Marshman's going to get back to his uh, 
you know, Welsh boxing ways. I think he's going to be a similar performance to the Magnus Blood fight, just with a less sweat. Uh, you know, I just think he's going to big left hook, big right hook, clean punches. If it goes three rounds, um, how many decisions has Brad Scott won, Dan? I think one, and it was against Scott Asko, man. So, he barely uh, won that shit. So, look, guys, if we're under the impression here that, that Brad Scott's some type of... Uh, grinder a tie-up master or you know gets consistent takedowns for three rounds i think you guys are seriously mistaken and uh that's why i'm here to let you uh, guys know these things so i'm gonna go with uh jack marshman um i'm gonna go with second round canvas snap and uh brad scott it's been a fun ride but like i said mentally i don't think he's there and uh dropping the one this fight is at 170 i actually think marshman needs to drop to 170 when you guys watch his fights look at all that body fat as where brad scott is in desperation mode he's looking for answers his last fight he got smashed on imagine uh contemplating retirement you know winning and then going into that hermanson fight and uh, I just think uh, more of the same will happen. I got Marshman second round canvas now. Yeah, I'm going to go with Marshman as well. And first of all, Marshman's record when fights go to decision is 4-2. and two. Brad Scott's record when fights go to decision is 1-3. and three. So both these guys are finishers. you know. So anyone that's under the impression that Brad's coming to grind this out, I don't know where they came up with that because he, he trains Brad, at the lab. That's when why. does Brad grind? He doesn't. Now, Marshman's got 18 finishes, 13 of those via knockout, and... It's safe to say he's a knockout artist, and one thing I like about him, specifically in this matchup, is his footwork. When you go and you watch the tape, the frequency that these two operate on is night and day. Jack Marshman's going to be so much faster than him because when Brad Scott's plodding forward and he's flat-footed and he's slow, he's got that left hand down, he's eating those behind-the-ear shots, and Marshman's bouncing all over the place, putting his combinations together, it's going to get very, very hairy for Brad Scott. And, uh, you know, I hear a lot of people, well, what about the Ryan James fight? Guys, when you're fighting a 6'3", 6'4", scarecrow that, you know, you could take a bat to his head and he won't get knocked out, sometimes it's a tough fight. And we've seen in James's career, everyone underestimates him and, you know, they end up uh, getting fucked up. So Tell me who's slept uh, James before. Exactly. Who, who's not James out? So that's all I got to say. Yeah, just because Ryan James looks goofy <laughs> doesn't mean that uh, he's uh, not a tough out. And I know we called... Uh, Brad Scott goofy, but it's a different kind it's of a goofy. Different goofy. Because <laughs> Ryan James will fucking put a pace on you, as where Brad Scott's just a slow plotting motherfucker. This, you know, Ryan James ain't contemplating retirement exactly. anytime soon. You know, Ryan James All has I gotta a long say, career. Go listen to him his interview after he beat Scott. Ask him. I want you to comment uh, in the comment section and tell me if that's a mentally stable motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, and look, Brad Scott, it's been fun, man. You you made it to the finals of tough. You got to fight Whitaker. You got to go the distance with Rob back when he was at. 170 back when he lost to court mcgee shack but and, and it's just the same entries every time look back in the day when he fought christoph jaka um same entries in every time slow potting easy to time it's just you know guys on that level are gonna uh, i think it's gonna be too easy for him and i think the best days are behind him it's been fun brad scott yeah and i'm interested to see marshman at 170 i think it's a good move for him i always thought that you know he was one of these guys kind of like kelvin where yeah he can compete at the higher weight class but his optimal weight class would be at 170 you know because like you said man all that body fat he's carrying around, but I love the way the guy moves, especially against this guy that he's fighting, Brad Scott, who is much slower, much plottier, and uh, I'm going with Jack Marshman via knockout here. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got Danny Hot Chocolate Roberts. He's minus 185, and the comeback on Oliver Endcamp is plus 160. Now, uh, interesting fight. You think my boy Hot Chocolate's going to get back on, on track here? You know, Hot Chocolate, his last fight was, you know, definitely a letdown for him. But uh, who was that against? Nordin Taleb. Okay, thank you. And, uh, you know, his fight before that, Bobby Nash, 
Um, my thing with Encamp is I'm not sure if Encamp's ready for this level yet, man. Um, now I think he's a smart kid. I think he's a, sh a sharp, bright kid, but skill-wise, you know, I think he's uh, well as far as his weight goes. You know, I think he's one of these in-between guys. You know, I think he's a little too small for a little too small for welterweight, but a little too big for lightweight. And uh, skill-wise, man, you know. If you're just un under the assumption that he's going to touch hot chocolate's chin and this is going to be over, you know, I think you might uh, be in for something else just because, I mean, you know, it is Nordin Taleb, but look at his, his hands in that fight. Look at his tie-up work in that fight, Dan. It was it was shit I've seen. I've seen better shit on in uh, the NFC uh, down here in the local fights in Atlanta. That's all I'm saying. I feel like he could possibly be in there with guys on that level. Now, I'm not saying that he's not going to win this fight, but I just think there's a chance where he's still a little bit too young. He's still a little bit too green. Guys, what's up with that tie-up work in the Nordin fight? Now, look, I know Hot Chocolate got fucking smoked, but... I think Hot Chocolate's got a big advantage in the tie-ups. I mean, we saw him fight a gorilla and uh, Dom Still, and, you know, someone would counter me. Oh, well, Dom Still's a fucking jobber. Go look at the stock, the size of Dom Still in that fight and go look at the size of Encamp in that fight. It's just a complete difference. These guys are operating at two different frequencies. Encamp's got that karate style, and, you know, look, guys, you know, it's cute, it's nice and all, but all that shit's so so energy draining it's all low percentage the spinning head kicks the spinning body kicks he can throw all that he wants it's going to drain him quicker and they, when they tie up i think he's going to get drained up quicker i honestly don't think he's ready for this yet now, i'm not high on hot chocolate i mean i don't think hot chocolates i don't think he's going to hold his spot in the company i'll go ahead and say that but look the guy hot chocolate one thing henry hoof never has to tell danny hot chocolate is to quit you know a lot of people on that on that team uh they uh they like to quit, but not hot chocolate. You know, hot chocolate will get knocked stiff. But when that camp's fight IQ is very questionable. Look but, at my boy Andre Sukumta. Yeah, when you're but when you're fighting Mike Perry and you're fighting Nordine and you're fighting you know a gorilla like uh, Dom Steele, you know it's a different thing. I don't think Encamp has those qualities. I definitely don't see him taking a hot chocolate down. I, I see hot chocolate having the advantage in the tie-ups, the wrestling, um, the power, the punching power. And uh, it's just a matter if you know hot chocolate gets flashed. Honestly, um, if Encamp can just flash knock him out, then that's one thing. I don't think so, and I don't think he's got an accumulation style at all. I think uh, the intangibles in his game are missing. I think those need to be developed over time, and uh, I think it's going to be an experience thing. I think it's going to be a winnable fight for people that bet on Encamp. I think like man, it was there. You know what I'm saying? I think hot chocolate he probably will wobble a couple times, but honestly, I think he's going to take care of business here and get his hand raised. Yeah, I'm with you on this one, man, because Oliver Encamp's got a lot of room to grow, man. I mean, you saw that fight against Nordine. I know someone's going to go on their breakdown and talk about, oh, this kid went the distance with Nordine, and Nordine knocked out hot chocolate as if that's an so indicator. It, but you and I both know MMA math Look, does not different. mean a damn Look, thing. when Nordine fought Encamp, it was a it was a scenario, I can't lose to this guy. You know what I'm saying? Imagine if Nordine would have lost to Encamp. He shouldn't have even took in the fight in the first place. He risked everything taking the fight. Granted, he got out of it, but we already know what type of fight. Like we saw with Darius and Alex Hernandez, you never take those type of fights. But then you Lama see him when he, but then you, when you see actually when he actually gets up for a fight like hot chocolate, then you see what happens. A hundred percent, and that's exactly what I was gonna say, man. You look at a fight like Alexander Volkanovski versus Shane Young, yeah, you know and it's uh, you're like fin finishes bump. It's high risk, <laughs> low reward. But then you see a fight like Alex Volkanovski versus Jeremy Kennedy, and it's high risk high reward and that's why he went out there and you he know performed that, the way yeah. he did against jeremy kennedy and in this spot here man i mean you saw oliver Ankamp biting on the fence hard against nordine taleb and man the tie-ups were ugly 
and he's throwing a bunch of spinning kicks at the air. You know, he's just not ready for this level. And look, after he takes this loss and he gets cut, we'd love to have him in the NFC. We'd love to book our top welterweight, Jared Gooden, versus Oliver Endcamp. You know, a nice little win for Jared Gooden to get him that UFC call. So, you know, after uh, Oliver takes this L, someone put me in touch with his manager, and we'd love to set it up. So I'm going to go with Danny Hot Chocolate Roberts here for the victory. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got Charles Bird. He's minus 115, and the comeback on John, the white Mike Tyson Phillips, is minus 105. Now, Shaq, who you got in this one? Um, You know, it was definitely one of these uh, tough fights where I definitely got my questions on. You know, Charles Bird is, uh, I think he's like 34, 35 years old. So, you know, this is... You know, pushing towards the area of hoorah fights and, you know, final runs. Um, and, you know, John Phillips, I mean, this this guy's been fighting on the local scene for a long time. Um, you know, John, uh, John Phillips, you know, a lot of people, you know, look at his record and just automatically assume KO artists, you know, he's probably going to knock Charles Bird the fuck out. And, you know, he, he might, you know what I'm saying? The line's definitely uh, in range. The thing is, how many uh, decisions has John Phillips won, Dan? I believe uh, zero. Zero decisions. And do you know how many first-round finishes he has out of those uh, 21 wins? 20 first-round finishes. Guys, now look. I say on the show all the time about waiting on a punch, and you're waiting on a guy to fall now. If you want to get into that, that's one thing. It, it Sometimes it works out. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you do take advantage of things like that. You know what I'm saying? The thing is... If he goes past the first round, I got a good feeling in my gut that it's going to be hands at the waist, huffing and puffing, getting taken down easily, and getting choked out. Like, I've seen him on the do in the past in the local scene, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, look, definitely Phillips has a power edge. I mean, it's no fucking secret. The guy hits like a fucking truck and a half. And, you know, if he fucking puts pressure on Bird and uh, gets him out of here early, congratulations. But uh, this game's about efficiency. Sometimes fights all, fights don't end in the first round all the time. They got to go three rounds. And, I mean, this guy's been fighting for... Been a pro since 06. And he ain't been a decision. So, uh, I'm going to go with Charles Bird here. I'm not confident by any means. I have seen Charles Bird get a, a little wobbled on the local scene in the past. But, um, like I said, if he gets past this first round, I think he's going to run away with this. And I think he uh, will get past the first round. Uh, I think the first round is going to be very scary. Uh, just because, you know, he hits hard, but I, I, I'm going to take the side where uh, who's more efficient going into the later rounds. Yeah, I'm going to go the opposite way, man. I'm going to go with John Phillips here. And like you said, you know, maybe in a, a future matchup we can talk about fading John Phillips. But I think in this particular matchup, I mean, look, John Phillips is a guy that as soon as that bell rings, he's going to walk you down. He's going to throw big bombs. And if you get caught, you get caught. And uh, 20 men did get caught, Shaq, in that first round. So, you know, that that has to go, that has to say something about him because it says that the guy's a professional finisher, kind of like my boy Paul Daly. Paul Daly's got 30 wins by knockout. And this guy, John Phillips, has 20 first round finishes. So, you know, granted, if it gets past the first round and Charles Bird starts wrestling him, then Charles Bird will be able to take the victory. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think John Phillips is going to come out here. I think he's going to be able to touch the chin of Charles Bird. I think he's going to get him out of there. I think it's going to be a first-round knockout. And then we can talk about fading John Phillips in the future when he fights a better grappler. But in this spot, man, I think uh, John's going to put Charles away. So, John via KO. Main card time. We got Leon Rocky Edwards. He's minus 210. The comeback on Peter Sabota is plus 175. What do you think? 
Uh, I feel like Peter Sabat is a hard guy to get a read on, man. You know, uh, one would say, I mean, he ain't fought anybody. One would say he beat fucking Ben Saunders and he beat um, Nicholas Dalby, you know, who's not with the company anymore. Um, but uh, Leon Edwards, been looking amazing. Wins over Vicente, Tumenov, uh, my junkyard dog, Barbarina. I mean, since he uh, lost to Camaro, I mean, he's gotten his shit together. He worked on his wrestling. He t he's turned into a D1 wrestler, essentially. I mean, now he's body-locking guys with ease, muscling them down, and uh, he's taking advantage. The thing is, my boy Peter Sabata's got a Dean Lister black belt, and he's been a Dean Lister black belt for a long time. And uh, I don't know if tying up uh, Sabata is the way to go. Now, on the feet... My thing with Leon is I, I definitely think he's the better fighter on the feet, 100%. It's just that, you know, he tends to have these little minute, two-minute spurts where he, like, stops fighting and, you know, he starts, like, squaring his stance and eating punches against the fence like he did in the Tomeno fight. Um, the Vicente fight, it really didn't happen. But, like, the Barbarena fight, you know, he lost focus for a little while and he almost got knocked out. Thank God, uh, you know, he held on. But that shows me uh, good qualities in Leon, man. I like his mindset. He's very confident. Like I said, Sabat is just a hard guy to get a read on. You know, you see him go out there. One thing he does, he doesn't take any damage when he's fighting these uh, jobbers. It's not like he's, like, you see how Juban and Saunders were fighting, you know, kind of, I mean, uh, Juban was winning, but see when Sabata goes in there, Sabata ain't looking to take any punches. He's looking there uh, to go in there and take care of business, just like how we 30-26 lobby. So I have the utmost respect for Peter Sabata. It just sucks the one time I bet him, you know, he wanted to take a knee to a front kick uh, in Australia, but... I'm going to go with Leon Edwards. I just think he's slightly better in more areas. The only area I see it being uh, Sabata's way is probably on the mat in the jiu-jitsu jiu department, maybe in the tiles. But on the feet, I do, do think Leon's going to land that left kick. And uh, I think he's going to land the more effective shots. Now, I wouldn't be shocked if Sabata got this off because this is another fight where it's not where it's not where you're like, why'd you take this fight? But what does Leon have to gain in this fight, honestly? He should know? be fighting top exactly. 15 guys. He should be fighting a top 15 guy. Now you're giving Sabata, Sabata's looking at Leon like a steak, like this is my chance, you know what I'm saying? And uh, it, it, it might not work out. These are the type, these are the little sketchy fights. It's not that he shouldn't have taken the fight, but he shouldn't have, he shouldn't have taken the fight. You know, he, he's beyond Sabata at this point. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens, but I, I will go with Leon. I do have my doubts about it, but um, I just think Leon's got a mental edge. I think he's got better takedowns, better striking, better cardio, and uh, it's just the little spurts of uh, losing focus where I have my doubts, but I'm going to go with Leon. It's an interesting matchup. Look, I've been a Leon Edwards fan for a long time. I mean, he's made his UFC debut. I bet him against Claudio. His next fight against Seth Bozinski, I bet him there. His fight against Paul Powell, like I bet him there too. So, you know, I have a really good feel and a read on Leon Edwards. But this one's tough to call. And look, Leon's come a long way. You know, he came into the UFC as a surgical striker. He was kind of a technician. He was a he was a sniper in there with his straight punches and you know, he'd set up the head kick out of nowhere. But now, after that Kamaru fight, man, he's really gotten his wrestling chops on point. He's going in there wrestling with Russians. He's going in there taking guys from the lab down. He's going in there and making statements against guys like Vicente Luque. So, Leon Edwards has come a long way. Now, with Peter Sabata, he's also come a long way. Because I don't know if people recall, you know, people think he's 4-1 and one in the UFC. But he's actually 4-4 four and four in the UFC because he's he had, he had a, one UFC stint where he went 0-3. And since then, he cut his teeth on the regional scene. He came back, and shit, he's been fucking killing it, man. He's 4-1 on that on that recent run, despite that fucking Kyle Noak fight where... Noak was juiced out of his mind for that fight, but still. You know, but that was a while back, man. Yeah. That was the same night Ronda so, lost to yeah. fucking Holly Holm, so, so yeah. who gives a shit? But 
At the same time, uh, the last two fights for Peter Sabata, he's looked incredible, man. That Nick Dalby fight, I know people like to act like Nick Dalby some can, but let's be honest here. Nick Dalby beat Zaleski. Nick Dalby went to a draw with Darren Till. So, you know, Nick Dalby ain't some can. It's just that he took so much damage in that in those fights that when it came time to fight Sabata, Sabata just put the icing on the cake and, you know, got him out the UFC real quick. So, but now he's meeting Leon in Leon's prime, man. My thing here is I, I want to see Leon get back to his striking ways in this fight because if Leon tries to body lock Sabata, why roll around on the mat with a Dean Lister black belt? You know what I'm saying? And there have been times in fights where I have questioned Leon's fight IQ, even though he's a consummate winner. The guy's got a great UFC record. More often than not, he gets his arm raised. It's just about little questionable things that he does you know, in the midst of fights. So if he can uh, be focused and be on point, I think he should take care of Sabota here. But at plus 175, I think Sabota's a live dog, man. And, and I don't fault anyone for taking that shot at all. For me personally, uh, you know, I'm going to pass. But, uh, you know you know what? Fuck it, man. Let's go with Peter Sabata for that upset, man. I think that he's plus 175. I think he's being a little bit overlooked in this spot. And much respect to Leon. I don't think he should have taken this fight. I think he should have waited for a top 15 guy. I won't be surprised to see Leon come out here and win. But I'll go with the upset. I'll go with Peter Sabata. So next up in the Bantamweight division, we got Tom Duke and Wai. He's minus 300, and the comeback on Tyrion Ware is plus 250. Now, uh, shout out to my boy Tyrion Ware because Cody Stamen, Sean O'Malley, and now Tom Duke and Wai. You know, the Tyrion Ware experiment. I'll tell you what, he's going in there, he's fighting tough with all these guys that they're supposedly bringing him in to lose against. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely, we, we get the gist here. You know, he's, they're definitely trying to set Tyrion up for a third time in a row. And, uh, you know, it's no secret that they're using him to test these prospects like Stamen O'Malley and now Dukunov because Tyrion's got a good enough record that it looks good and he's going to he's gonna actually fight them where those guys don't have to worry about, you know, wrestling or anything like that. They can, they can take him down, you know what I'm saying? So it's pretty clear what they're doing. And, you know, one would say it's disgusting, but it's just it's the fight game. It's business. Look, Tyrion's got to do something about it, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Go in there and win, buddy. <laughs> go in there and win. And uh, firstly, I'm going to go ahead and say right here, I think Cody Stamen and Sean O'Malley are on a completely different level than Tom Dukunov. Now, I actually faded Tom Dukunov's last fight against Cody Stamen. And, uh, you know, now look, I'm not going to get into his old French this and French that. The thing is, I just don't, I mean, I think offensively, you know, he's got a couple nice things. I, I like his lead elbows. I like his, uh, you know, his low kick uh, to high kick combo. You know, he's got a nice straight left. The kid can strike. But look, the first time things got tough for him, I'm, I'm actually not going to say that because uh, he did have some tough fights in the local scene. But under the, the bright lights, yeah, under the 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 bright lights of the UFC, when it got tough, granted it, it was against the number one prospect at bantamweight. You know, he straight up folded. He didn't fight back. The third round, he completely stopped fighting, plain and simple. And like I said, I think Stamen, as we clearly see, is a top ten guy. O'Malley is a future top fifteen guy, in my opinion. And uh, I. I don't see Duke and Wall having that career projection, bro. Honestly, I think he's going to be a fringe top 25 guy, maybe. You know what I'm saying? I, I just don't see him having that career projection. But that doesn't matter. Tarion Ware matters. And like I said, Tarion Ware. Tarion Ware landed punches on Cody Stammen. He lost, though. Tarion Ware fucked O'Malley up the second round. He lost, though. So it's a matter of Tarion not um, like he's got to do it, not almost do it. And unfortunately... He's probably going to almost do it again. I see this being a fight all the way to the end. Um, Dukunwa, I actually think that line, you know, it could. I thought it could have been worse just because uh, I thought people were going to parlay the shit out of Dukunwa. But I, I think it's about right just because people, I'm assuming people are just counting on the fact that Tarion Ware is going to 
almost win. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, uh, you know, good luck to Tarion. I'll go with Dukenois by a close decision. But don't be shocked if Tarion pulls this upset off because Tarion's got a real uh, volume boxing style. And, you know, in the O'Malley fight, it was just a case of where he literally tried to finish him the second round, and uh, he came out completely gassed in the third round, which is a mistake he shouldn't have made, especially for a vet like him. But uh, I like his volume boxing style, man. Like, when he's in his in his boxing mode with his straight punches, as you can see in the Cody Stamen fight, like you saw in the O'Malley fight, he has success. It's just a matter, and I think he'll have more success against Dukanov, honestly. Um, it's just a matter of doing it, you know what I'm saying? And unfortunately, I don't think he will. So I'll go with uh, Tom, the uh, French kid, Dukanov. Yeah, look, man, uh, you know, Dukanov, the kind of hype that this kid got coming into the UFC, the kinds of things people were saying was absolutely ludicrous. I don't even want to repeat some of the things people were saying to me about this kid, but I will say this. He's exciting. He's fun to watch. He's a finisher. And uh, if he can front run, you know, for as long as possible, he's either going to front run long enough to get Tarion out of there, or he's going to front run long enough to win a decision and hold on in that third round. However, if he only has one round of front running in him, don't be surprised when Tarion starts putting the hands on the boy. So, uh, you know, it's an interesting matchup because, you know, you don't want to write a kid off after a loss. But Here's what I will say. You want to observe how the loss went down. Did he get caught or did he break? You know, when Vic fought Benny, you, you don't write Vic off after that fight. You just say, look, he got caught by a guy who was better than him at the time, and uh, Vic will come back better. And guess what? He did come back better. He, he's on a fucking four-fight win streak now against really tough guys. When Duke and Wah fought Cody Stamen, it wasn't a matter of, oh, he got caught and this and that. It was a matter of he threw literally everything he had at Cody Stamen. Cody ate it for about a round and a half. And then Duke and Wah was like, Check, please. <laughs> you know what I mean? Duke and Wall was like, all right, yeah, uh, I want out of this fight. And, uh, you know, he didn't respond at all to the adversity. And that's not a good thing because my boy, Tarion, you saw that fight with Sean O'Malley. You know, first round, he loses. Second round, uh, he starts putting it on Sean O'Malley. And Sean O'Malley had to dig deep to come in there and win that third round. And I'm not quite convinced that Tom Dukin was able to dig deep like that. Look, I know he dug deep against Pat Williams, who, between you and me, many people consider to be the worst fighter on the UFC roster. So, yeah, dig deep against that guy. But against a guy like Tarion, who is as experienced as he is, you know what, man? I think there could be an upset here. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Maybe Dukenois really is the real deal, like you guys say. Maybe he can go out here and front run for two rounds and, and go out there and win the decision. But I think somewhere along the way, if he doesn't get uh, Tarion Ware out of there, he will start to slow down, and the volume style of Tarion Ware will start to take over. So... It's gonna be interesting. And by the way, I can I can name five bantamweight prospects better than Duke Noir. Do it. Uh, Stamen, O'Malley, uh, Boston Salmon, Ramos, Brett Johns, and Brett Johns. There you go. Right there. Just name five <laughs> bantamweight prospects way better than Duke Noir. <laughs> Look, he's fun. He's got nice high kicks. He's got nice he's flying nice knees. Elbows. He's got elbows. I mean, the kid throws some. What it, happens if it gets tough though? It's like, you know, when we were in love with Tomas Almeida, it's like, you know, it was fun while it lasted. We had to learn our lesson that these style, these kind of fighters, they don't make it to, to the very top. You know what I mean? They, they'll get knocked off. And Tom Dukenois doesn't have that heart to make it to the top 15, in my opinion, or at least the top 10. So, he, like I said, he might front run long enough to win this specific fight. But uh, I'm rooting for my boy Terry on here. So let, let, let's see this upset, Terry on. Now, Shaq, before we talk about this co-main event of the evening, you know, they can call us cocky, they can call us arrogant, but one thing they can't say is that we don't get the job done long term. 
always have, always will. You see some of these other guys take a loss and they can't handle the pressure of bouncing back. They delete their Twitter accounts and come back with a new name. They reset their records. They start betting other sports. This game is for big boys, Shaq. The reason we talk the way we do is because we take this extremely seriously and we're super passionate about what we do. I take winning personally. I also take losing personally. And when you look at the numbers, there's no denying Best Fight Picks is number one. Some claim to have better numbers than us. Please show us their entire records. We've seen it all before, Shaq. We've heard it all before. They either pad their records with fake 11-unit bets, which you and I both know is completely unrealistic and that they don't actually bet that amount per unit. You got the -the after-the-fact guys that only post a ticket if they want. Or they use a tiny sample size to paint a picture that doesn't exist. And the rest claim to be up X amount of units, but only about one-third of their records are actually tracked. With Dan and Shaq, with Best Fight Picks and MMA Genius, there's not a single play that's not documented. There's not a single number that's not accounted for. You can't deny our numbers in any way, shape, or form. That's why we're in the position we're in. That's why we get the job done. That's why we're dedicated to growing your bankroll. We have a relentless determination to win. And if winning is something you're serious about, if making money is something you truly care about, send us a message. BestFightPicks at gmail.com, BestFightPicks.com, MaxBetSeason.com. Get on board because if there's one thing we can guarantee, Shaq, is that you will profit long term. You need a guy. You need guys like us that are going to keep you away from those trap fights. I already see people falling into these trap fights for this weekend. Fights, you know, where there should be no money on and on either side, you know what I'm saying? And that's why we're here, you know, I'm going to keep you away from those trap fights. You need a guy in this game that has a feel for it, and you need a guy that has the record to prove it. And uh, we're those guys, you know, we don't have to bet the big fight of the weekend like a lot of people fall in the in the traps. You don't have to bet, you know, the main and co-main event. Most of my winners, most of our max bet winners are on the undercard. We have the, we have the edge for these little matchups that, you know, if before I told you, uh, I got a possibility, for example, for UFC 223. I haven't even told my clients out, but I know if I told them, they'd be like, what? No, dude, are you serious? Like, that's the, that's the type of plays I give out. You know, a lot of my clients, they question my plays. When I sent out the Brian Kelleher play, they were like, uh, bro, are you sure? Hennon, Hennon looked good on the scales. When we sent out the Ket Levere <laughs> minus 120 play, they're like, wait, you're fading a chick that be Amanda Nunes and Misha Tate? So? And? You know what I'm saying? Like we and we explained every reason why we did that. Just like we explained every reason why we uh, had to fade my boy Hennon Burrell. And uh, you know, for all my friends that are out there investing in that crypto, that stock market, that commodity trading, you know, it's it's time to come hop over uh, to this gold mine of MMA betting. I mean, guys, three undefeated events, all clean sweeps. I haven't lost a bet. I mean, I'm not sure if that's happening in that industry, Dan. But uh, I'm gonna go ahead and guess no. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and uh, like we said, you don't have to do any work. It's not that hard. How do you communicate? Twitter, text, email, WhatsApp. You get to play and you win, plain and simple. Indeed. MaxBestSeason.com, BestFightPicks.com. Send us a message, BestFightPicks at gmail.com. I mean, look, if you're serious about making money, if you're tired of your you know, annoying-ass boss, you want to give him the finger and you want to drive off, you want more days off, or you want to fucking quit that job, I mean, I'm the guy for you. You know what I'm saying? If you're tired of getting trapped in these fights and you're on a rough stretch right now and you've been losing... You're betting you Frankie help, Edgar against and, Ortega. Exactly, and you're betting Perry and Frankie Edgar in these fights, you know, I'm the guy for you. I'm going to give you that fight where it's lying close, that minus 120 max bet. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to give you lines like that. And uh, as you can see... For my uh, 
Michael Mann Anchor Live clients, of course, I wouldn't tell them to play it now at minus 620, but because they got that pre-advance, they know ahead of time. That's what this game's about. That's you why they hammered at minus 188 and, and minus 200. That's why it's minus 629, you know what I'm saying? So shout out to all my clients, and uh, I can't wait for us to get this win. Sign up, 15% off any package, code Matador. Co-main event of the evening. We got Jimmy Manuel, he's minus 200, and the comeback on Jan Blankovic is plus 170. Now, the uh, first time they met, it was a very closely contested fight. You know, Jimmy did run away with it. He, he edged it. But since that point, Jimmy's been brutally knocked out twice, and Jan, he's looking the best he's ever looked. Now they're going to meet in the rematch. Who you got? Man, uh, Jan's, been, Jan's been doing his thing. Guys, we told you, go back to our UFC Winnipeg, uh, UFC Winnipeg prediction. We sat there and told you, be very fucking careful playing Cannoneer in that fight because we told you, we got, well, did you bet that fight with Clark? Yeah, I know I did, but uh, I got trapped with Devin Clark against Jan because, of course, you know why we got, why why, uh, both of us got trapped. I mean, look, Jan was quitting in every single fight before that. And he was I mean, losing to Corey Anderson yeah, at Pat Cummins at the Pat, time. Yeah, I mean, you know, he was straight up quitting, hands on his knees in his fights. So, of course, you know, fade him. So, you know, we did that against Devin Clark, and uh, it didn't pan out well. And the week of the fight, I knew I was fucked because I went on Jan's uh, Instagram, and I, I, I came to the realization that he was seeing a new Polish doctor, and he uh, <laughs> was getting, you know, different vitamins pumped inside of him. And, uh, I mean, it's clearly evident now, you know, I'm not going to make uh go into details of those accusations but i mean it's clear when you ever seen jan pushing the pace for three rounds and i mean look the one thing i've always said about jan is because even all those fights he lost he would fuck the guy up when he was fresh and then the second he got tired then he'd quit but when he was fresh he would drop him i mean we saw those overhand rights he was landing against gusterson stop uh, latifi Corey anderson you know what i'm saying first round he fucked him up you know what i'm saying he's always got the overall skills and I'm going to actually go ahead and say I think he's the overall better fighter than Jimmy Manoa. I think he's the overall better fighter. I think on the feet, um, I think Jimmy's got more power. But in terms of the point style and, you know, the style for racking up the points, I, I like Jan's counters. I like his jab. His jab. he got a hard jab and the left kick to follow. Uh, the left kick's definitely his best weapon. His wrestling defense is on point. I mean, I guess his last two fights. But at the same time, Jimmy Manoa does operate on a different frequency than Devin Clark and Jared Cannonier. Those two were prospects. Jimmy Manuel was a vet, but speaking of Jimmy Manuel, his last fight was kind of embarrassing on his part. And, you know, people will be like, how is it embarrassing? Well, the, the way he was acting, the whole lead up to the fight. As if the fight As was already won. As if the won. fight was already won. I mean, the all week, I was just thinking, this this guy really thinks like he's getting a title shot like it's about to be nothing. It was like, like Melvin Gillard before the Joe <laughs> yeah, was on fight. Like the, all his interviews, it was like, this is, I'm about to fight DC and all this shit. You know what I'm saying? And, you know especially at how does he 35 36 years old like such a letdown like that where you're literally this close and you know i'm not gonna knock his wins over Corey, even though everyone knocks out Corey. um and osp shot out a complete completely out of shape for that fight now you know well, someone's gonna be like stop making excuses da 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 but i mean it's the facts look like i said before i know the fight game i know for a fact osp was not in shape for that fight and uh granted i still think jimmy would win that fight if he wasn't in shape or not just like i think he'd beat Corey no matter what but Jan Blakovich, be very fucking careful parlaying Jimmy or playing Jimmy straight. Jan's got different Polish vitamins in him, and uh, you don't know what to expect out of the guy because I honestly don't think he's uh, 
resorting back to his quitting ways anymore. I think he's actually got the cardio su support. So I think we are going to start seeing the best of Jan Blakovic. And I'm going to go ahead and say he pulls off the upset here by finish. Interesting. Yeah, yeah look, it's going to be a very intriguing rematch because, like I said, when I started breaking down this matchup, uh, both their career paths since that first fight have gone opposite ways. But at the same time, when guys go out there and beat Jimmy Manoa, they usually knock him out. We're talking about guys like Anthony Rumble Johnson. We're talking about guys like Alexander Gustafsson. We're talking about guys like Volkan Uznamir. Granted, that damage to his chin is done. Jimmy is a very chinny guy. They call him they call him Chinny Jimmy for a reason. But uh, my boy Jan, you know, since he's been seeing that new doctor, I mean, he did go out there and just beat two prospects back to back. Now those two prospects are being fed <laughs> to other prospects. prospects. <laughs> you know, that's just the fight game for you. But. Jan Blankovic has never been known for knocking people out with his fist. What he's known for is he's got a great body kick. You saw what he did to Latifi. He stopped him there. And I don't think he's going to be able to stop you know, Jimmy with a body kick. I think he needs to land a left hook. I think he needs to land a big right hand and put him away. And that's definitely a possibility because at this point of Jimmy's chin, you know, he, uh, he can go down 100%. But that being said, I don't like to rely on one punch. I like to rely on the guy who can win the long-term battle. And even though Jan won his last fight by decision, you know, I think that Jimmy's on a different level than Jared Cannonier, man. And I think that Jimmy is going to find a way to win this fight as well. It's going to be hairy. I think if you're betting Jimmy Manoa, uh, look, the value's on the dog side here. It's it's a dog or pass situation 100%. But from a pure pick perspective, I'm going to go with Jimmy Manoa here, man. You know man. how many uh, decisions Jimmy Manoa has won in his career? Uh, I know that he's 1-0 against Jan Blankovic when fights go to decision. The one fight he went to decision was Jan, uh, Jan Blankovic, and he won. <laughs> yeah, he can decision this guy. That's all I know. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Jimmy Manuel here, but it, it has the potential to get very sketchy, so stay away. Main event of the evening. We got Fabricio Vaikavalo Wardoom. He's minus 200. The comeback on Alexander Volkov is plus 170. Now, Volkov's come a long way since his Bellator days, man. I mean, you see the kind of performances he's putting on in the UFC – but now he's got the biggest step up of his career. Who you got? Volkov has come a long way. Um, you know, he actually was asked about it, you know, why, what happened in Bellator. You know, he had such great success. This is a guy that at under 25 won two Bellator tournaments. Back when the tournament winner used to get a hundred grand, he won two of those. You know what I'm saying? At such a young age. Imagine me 23, 24 with 200k <laughs> yeah, in that bank. You know what I'm saying? Plus all the show and win monies, plus the sponsor money. You know what I'm saying? All the ladies. Yeah, all the girls. So I think, uh, I mean, what he said was that he was too young to handle it, and you know he wasn't putting in the work. And he said after he got cut from Bellator, you know he had to reinvent himself back on the local scene, and he worked his way back up into this spot. And, I mean, it's a good attestment. The thing with Fabricio is, you know, do I like – the difference between me and a lot of these guys is I take my, uh, you know – do I like Fabricio as a person? Uh, no, you know what I'm saying? I think he's a fucking weirdo, and uh, you know what I'm saying? But skill-wise, I mean, that motherfucker – Put, can put on a pace for five rounds he's does he really have any real weakness you know what i'm saying his wrestling's on point his, his chin you know his chin's well every heavyweight's chin but like you know what i'm saying so if a heavyweight gets clipped on the chin uh he might go down and fabricio i think he is hitting a state where he's starting to freeze up on shots and when i say freeze up a lot of people don't know what i mean i'm talking about the luke rocco chin the the gray maynard chin this is the, these are the pre-stages of when your chin is starting to deteriorate you know you get hit with a shot and you freeze up you know what i'm saying my, my boy dan knows what i'm talking about and i think verdum is hitting that state um it's a case of if volkov's ready or not he's gonna experience something fabricio's gonna put pressure on him 
like he's never uh, experienced before. But I'm not worried about him, uh, you know, getting laid on the fence. This guy has been putting serious work on his wrestling with Kenny Johnson from Black House. Matter of fact, Kenny Johnson actually was uh, flew out from Black House to Russia for this entire camp for for uh, Volkov, and I think they'll be ready for that game. I mean, his tie-up game's been looking real good. I mean, tell me, uh, uh, I don't think anyone's got him. I think Tim Johnson got him down, but, you know, it was right back up. And Verdum's on a completely different level. Um, but I do think Fabricio will get this done. I just think he's just got too many advantages in too many areas, but it's dog or pass for sure, in my opinion, because Volkov's not the type of guy I want to fade right now. Volkov's on the upswing. I think Fabrizio's maybe got one or two good fights left in him, and uh, Volkov's got plenty. So, and the way, speaking of Volkov, the way he uh, beat down Struve his last fight took everything out of Struve, you know what I'm saying? I knew exactly when uh, he finished Struve that Struve was completely done, and uh, that's the type of ass opens my boy Volkov can dish out, but my boy Fabrizio's got an extensive history for dishing out ass open, so I got to go with Fabricio. I mean, Fabricio is a legendary fighter. First man to finish Fedor Emelianenko. First man to submit Cain Velasquez. I mean, the dude's literally, he's done everything, man. And he won the UFC title. He knocked out Mark Hunt. So, you know, Fabricio Vicavalli, he could retire today and be a UFC Hall of Famer. He might arguably be the second greatest heavyweight of all time right behind Stipe. You know what I'm saying, man? So, Fabricio, you're the fucking man. Now, as far as his matchup's concerned, Alexander Volkov's come a long way. I mean, you recall his fights in Bellator against Czech Congo, against Tony, Tony Johnson, Johnson <laughs> against Vitali, and it just wasn't the same guy that we see today. You know, we, he left a lot to be desired because you'd see this six foot seven heavyweight, you'd be like, man, on the feet, he's knocking these dudes out with head kicks, but then he just gets laid on. And it's just not good. It's like, what's going on? But man, he's, he's fixed up some parts of his game. He's come a long way because in that UFC debut, I know it was kind of ugly against Tim Johnson, but right away I was like, wow, he's come a long way since the Bellator days, man. The kid has improved big time. And since that point, he went in there, he beat Roy Nelson, he beat uh, Struve. Now we get the real step up. Now we get the top five guy. Now we get the former champion. Now we got the future Hall of Famer. We got Fabricio Vicavalo Wardoom. Now on the feet, look, I think Wardoom's actually better everywhere in this matchup. But there were little things in that Tibora fight that made me be like, okay, well, we know with the heavyweights, you get caught on that chin one time, it could be game, set, and match. And if Volkov is able to touch him that one time, it could be game, set, and match. It's just about if he's going to. But that being said, man, this fight hits the mat one time. Don't be surprised when we're doing pulls off a nice guillotine, pulls off a nice Kimura, a fucking knee bar, whatever it takes, an arm bar, anything. He's just that damn good. I mean, Fabricio is literally the best heavyweight jiu-jitsu fighter of all time. And his striking is super underrated. Great knees in the clinch. Great closing of the distance with the straight punches. Good leg kicks as well. So I'm going to go with Fabricio. But, you know, at some point, the older fighters always lose to the younger fighters. I mean, you saw with uh, Ortega and Edgar last week, man. It always happens. So at some point... I feel, I feel like this could also be an, another fight like Leon and Sabata. Now, I know Volkov is ranked top 10, I'm assuming. The thing is, Fabricio could have sat out. He could have sat out for a bigger fight. He could have waited for a title shot. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He could have waited for Nganu or Stipe, yeah, but Nganu, yeah. he wanted to take this fight. He wanted to keep earning money. So much respect. Fighters fight. You know what I'm saying? That's why I respect all these guys. But I'm going to go with Wardoom just because I've seen better things from him. But it's not going to surprise me if this is that you know crossroads fight where the young guy takes over the vet and stops him. But you know I'll I'll, uh, I'll go with uh, Fabrizio Vicavalo Wardoom by submission here. Now, Shaq, uh, before we hit up uh, Big Marley for the Big Marley Minute, they got to go to bestfightpicks.com. They got to go to maxbetseason.com. They got to use the promo code MATADOR to save 15% off 
any best fight picks package. We're on a heater right now. Three event win streak. All undefeated. All clean sweeps. And uh, we're keeping it up this weekend. And most importantly, we're keeping it up at UFC 223, baby. You know, if you're a guy that's new to betting, you're just a fan, you know, you're just a fan of the podcast and you never put a bet in your life, I'm going to guide you through that complete process. I can tell you exactly how much needs to be played each fight. Um, And it's all about making money at the end of the day. We can't be sleeping on these easy money fights like like how this Ankaliah Paul Craig's going to play out. All my European friends, you could have got that line at minus 188 with me, you know what I'm saying? You know, to make money, you got to spend a little money. Free is not good and good is not free. And uh, sign up at Best Fight Picks today. Go ahead and send that email if you have any questions. Follow us at Best Fight Picks Official. We respond to all our messages. And uh, we look forward to helping a lot of people out. A lot more people out because a lot of people have already been helped. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. I'm going to put that money in your pocket where, you know, you can you can go out a couple extra nights a week. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Well, Shaq, let's hit up uh, Big Marley for the Big Marley Minute. And joining us now on the Big Marley Minute is Big Marley himself. Kyle, what's going on, man? Hey, not much, man. I've been sick all week, so I'm going to tough it through the Big Marley Minute, and then hopefully I'll feel better for these fights and win some money. Yes, sir. Well, appreciate you uh, toughing it out for us. You know, Big Marley always coming through. And, man, let's get right down to business because this main event between Wardoom and Volkov currently got Wardoom as, a, you know, 8,600. They got Volkov 7,600. Look, I assume the winner of this fight is going to surpass the salary cap. I know Wardoom's better everywhere. It's just about is he going to get caught or not. You think he's going to get caught here? Or you think he's going to come out here and uh, just show why he's uh, the more well-rounded vet? Uh, I don't know, man. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, where this fight goes if Verdun tries to get to the ground or if he thinks he's got a shot standing. Uh, standing, uh, I think it's going to be a fun fight and uh, pretty close, but I think it would be in Verdun's best interest to get it to the ground and kind of take a Damian Maya approach and just go immediately to the ground and then that's his ballpark. So I think that's what he should do. So I'm going to say that's what he will do, and I like Verdun in this fight uh, by a submission uh, early in the fight, so I do think he outscores his price tag as well. So, Manoa and Blakovich are rematching. First time they fought was super close, but their careers have gone on two separate paths. Uh, who do you think gets the rematch? I think, uh, man, I don't know. I like Manoa a lot, but he's 9, 9K in DraftKings, and in their first fight, he only scored like 52 points. They both had the same amount of strikes. Um, so, he got the win, so he had the extra 30. And if it goes the same way and they put the decision over to Blackwitz, then he only scores 52 as well. Uh, so I would just rather go with the dog in this one, I guess, or fade the fight altogether. Um, so, but the pick is Manua, but I would rather go Blackwoods and DK. So Duke and Juan and Terry on where, you know, for a fact, those two are going to throw down. It's going to be a super exciting fight. And, uh, I know Duke and Wall's got a lot of hype. I'm not quite sold on him, but at the same time, I'm also not convinced that Terry Allen's going to get this upset. You leaning a certain way? Yeah, I like Duke and Wall in this fight. Uh, I don't think I'm going to have anywhere this week. Uh, I'm not sure if he gets the job done uh, before the fight's over. But I mean, before the 15 minutes are over, but I am going to go Tom Duke and Wall in this one. I, I'm going to say knockout, maybe second or third round. Uh, I'm not sure how much I'll have in DraftKings. But I just laid down a parlay with him and uh, Duwadu, so I like him to win. Oh, so I see you like my boy Hakeem Duwadu, huh? Yeah, I like him to win, too. You know, that kid, uh, I was really impressed with him in World Series of Fighting. It's good to have him in the UFC, finally. Yeah, I didn't really know about him until I did the film study. Uh, and, yeah, he looks, he looks legit. Uh, he looks like he should have already been in the UFC, for sure. 
So Leon, Rocky Edwards versus Peter Sabota. Look, Peter keeps coming through in spots where I don't expect him to come through. But Leon Edwards, man, he's a consistent winner. And now that he's developing his wrestling skills, he's really gone a long way. Uh, which way are you leaning? Ah, uh, man, Edwards is my boy. I don't think – I think uh, other than the Usman fight, I've picked him every single fight. So he's made me a good amount of money, uh, especially on DraftKings. Uh, so I got to like him here again, but – I think I'm going to go both ways on this fight, uh, maybe get a little bit of both guys because you do got to find the dog somewhere. Uh, and Edwards isn't the, the highest-paced guy. He might not get the finish. So if he doesn't get a finish, then at least Sabata can rack up some points, even with a loss at 7,400. So I like both ways, but the pick is Edwards. You know, a fight that I really like <laughs> is Danny Roberts versus Oliver Ancamp. Now, you might disagree with me on this one. I personally don't think Ancamp is uh, ready for this level. I know they have a common opponent, and the fights went the way they, they went, but MMA math doesn't work, as you know, and I think Oliver Ancamp's probably got to cut his teeth on the regional scene a little bit longer. I'm actually going to go with Danny Hot Chocolate here. Uh, you, you got uh, an opinion on this? Yeah, I agree. I think uh, Ancamp, he's just got that, that boy body. I don't think he's ready for the big dogs in the UFC yet, so... Yeah, I think he takes an L here, goes back to the regional circuit. Maybe maybe he'll come back uh, in a few years. Yeah, you know who I do like, though? I like Jack Marshman here, man. He's dropping 170 pounds, and I feel like Brad Scott, you know, he's at the tail end, and him dropping to 170 is kind of alarming. So I'm going Marshman via KO. He will definitely make my lineups here, and he's going to make the majority of my lineups, so he better fucking win, Kyle. Yeah, I like Marshman to win this too, uh, but I do think – you do need the knockout uh, for him to pay off his value on DraftKings. Uh, I think he can get it, though, but yeah, I like Marshall. So, last but not least, before I let you go, my man, Magomed Ankalaev. He's taking on Paul Craig, and look, they got Ankalaev 9,200, but if he goes out here, he gets that uh, that first-round ground-and-pound stoppage. I mean, he's probably going to pay <clears> off that salary cap, right? Yeah, I mean, he's the, high, the biggest favorite on the card, uh, and he's not even the most expensive guy, so... Yeah, it's, it's a fade Craig fight here, and uh, he's definitely my pick. Uh, and hopefully he does get the knockout so he can't pay it off. Well, Kyle Marley, you are the man. appreciate you taking the time while you're sick. I hope you feel better, bro. Hopefully that extra cash you win this weekend will uh, you know, heal those wounds a little bit because there's nothing like blowing that nose in a $100 bill, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, man, I agree. I can't wait for it. Yeah, uh, good luck on the fights, man. Hopefully we can win some of that money. Yes, sir. Make sure you follow this man at Big Marley 3. And Kyle, man, they're making us wait, man. They're fucking spreading this shit out. You know, whoever said there was 11 fights in 11 weeks is full of shit because we got to wait about two, three weeks for UFC 223. But the good news is when they give us two to three weeks to get prepared, we better go out there and have a fucking undefeated night, Kyle. Hey, man, I hear you. Let's do it. Let's win some money because uh, it would suck to go into this break with a, with a losing night. Yes, sir. Well, we ain't going to do that. We're about to take this victory. And uh, Kyle, we'll speak soon, brother. All right, man. Take care. It's good to hear from my boy, Big Marley. You know, it's been a week. Uh, that week off was, you know, I like to grind every single week, but you know, sometimes you need to rest the brain. We're gonna, we're gonna flip this. Uh, we're gonna flip these units, this cash. I mean, we're gonna flip these, flip these, uh, flip this cash. You know, quicker than uh, Misha flipped to her back. You know, with uh, my boy Johnny. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> you know, like I said, these lines are softer than Sarah McMahon in that second round. Softer than Vitor Posusada. So. Hop on board. Now, softer than Kylan Curran's UFC career. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? BestFightFix.com, so, baby. Softer than Luke Rockhold's chin. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, man. 
Softer than Mike Perry when a fight goes to decision. Exactly. <laughs> Softer than Mike Perry's fight IQ, you know what I'm saying? Softer than Andre Sukumtach, just put it that way, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, man. Well, now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So, Shaq, what is the fight to watch for UFC London? Leon Edwards versus Peter Sabata. I think Peter Sabata's got a good chance to come in here and take all of Leon's momentum. I mean, look at the wins Leon has. He just hit the top 15, and to be honest, he should have been in the top 15 for a long time. And uh, Peter Sabata can take all his momentum with this win, and he can become a top 15 guy. And if Leon wins, this just solidifies, hey, I'm for real a top 15 guy. Give me a big fight. Uh, you know, he'll definitely get a big fight if he wins this. And uh, Sabata can take all that momentum. So that's my fight to watch. The Dean Lister black belt versus the, the, the new English D1 wrestler. So uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, 100%. That's one of the fights to watch for me. It's got to be Tom Dukenwell versus Terry Ware. I mean, you know for a fact... These two are going to stand and bang for three straight rounds. Now, whether someone unless, falls... Unless uh, someone goes ankle diving. But I know it ain't going to be Tyrion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Look, these two are going to stand and bang. It's going to be very exciting, especially that first round and a half. The fans are going to be screaming. Uh, you know, I-, I can't wait to see if someone gets knocked out over. It's a 15-minute war. So Tom Duke and Wilders, Tyrion Ware is my fight to watch. Now, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch? My fighter to watch is going to be Alexander Volkov. I mean, look, if he can get this win, he's the new heavyweight star. He just took out Verdum if he gets the win. Now Russia has a new star. You know, Russia's a booming MMA uh, uh, booming MMA territory, and I mean, Volkov can be another star. He's actually very talkative on his uh, social media, you know, if they got behind him and promote him. He talks a lot of shit on his Twitter profile, so he's a promotable guy if he can win this fight 6-7 and uh, wins over Verdum and uh, Struve. I think... Uh, if he wins, there's a new European heavyweight star. Yeah, my fighter to watch is Jack Marshman. Look, man, the kid's dropping to 170 pounds. We always thought he had a little bit of excess weight there at 185 pounds. And he's always been a knockout artist. I mean, 13 wins via KO. Now he's dropping to 170. If he can add that 14th knockout to his highlight reel and at 170, it might be it might be super emphatic fashion here, man. So I'm going with Jack Marshman uh, for my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Saturday in the afternoon on Fight Pass, UFC London. And, uh, man, I'm super excited for this fight. They can follow us at Best Fight Picks Official on Instagram. They can follow me at Best Fight Picks on Twitter. They can follow you at MMAGenius05 on Twitter. Make sure you subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. Hook up that five-star review on iTunes, and you take a, take a screenshot of that five-star review. We'll hook you up with a free bet as always. Yeah, once again, you know, code Matador, 15% off every package. And um, UFC 223, and you, you smelling that? S- smelling like that season. Uh, smelling like that max best season, Smelling like son. that max best season. UFC 223, man, like I said, these lines are very soft. Softer than uh, Cat's ass was looking out there. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> These lines are very soft. So hop on board. Send an email, bestfightpicks at gmail.com. We'll uh, go ahead and get you that uh, discount code. And, um, and hop on board. If you're serious about making money, we're the people to call. 100%. Bestfightpicks.com, maxbetseason.com. Send us a message, bestfightpicks at gmail.com. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.